welcome Facebook. You should be able to see us even though you're way far away. You see us? You hear us. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the quality of uh, craftsmanship you, ship you get live. Easy there, Joe. It's the family show. <laughs> Was that intentional or us? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. My name is Joe Kowalski. I am your host. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the pain that I've went through as a business owner and this whole mobile platform thing. We're going to talk about Mobile 3, talking about Technician, and the upcoming Mobile Pro. But before we get to that, let's do some housekeeping. Adam, what do we got to talk about today? Well, there was one quick hot fix that came out on, I believe, Wednesday about the uh, totals that were showing when the last update came out. The totals weren't showing on the deck. Um, pretty major thing. The uh, development team made a major focus on that. Hot fix came out, so those totals were back in there. Um, Development-wise, that's about the only thing I have. Um, I did want to say, though, hope everyone had a great week and they were excited to see Michael and that we're probably going to have that lookout for those other guest appearances coming up. Yeah, some um, internal staff. And then also I'm going to I'll get Jay to come on and we'll talk and other cleaners who've run, you know, successful businesses. We'll, we'll tap into our horsepower a little bit and uh, bring on maybe some vendors, too. So if you're interested in our local, if you're in Washington and don't mind a drive, uh, hit me up on Messenger and uh, we'll see if we can get you in if you have something important or cool to say. Yeah. So with that, I think we can jump right into Smug. And I started off with a little bit of a silly thing. Um, when when Brian Kirk, um, his first post basically when he, when he came back in here was of these ridiculous socks. Um, talking how are about, they, I'm, I'm just, how are they ridiculous? Well, I mean, that's not a normal sock. I mean, I don't know about uh, nor, normal socks, either, either white <laughs> or black. I got Christmas socks in the summer. So I'm just trying to find out what the barometer of of crazy. I mean, obviously he thought it was. And Brian, you ain't getting away with nothing. I saw you post this on like 10 different things trying to get a <laughs> meme made. And so, but yeah, no, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out what the, how do you determine a silly sock? Well, I can tell you that I wore my silly socks today in support of him. Um, they're actually Call of Duty socks, which I still can't <laughs> believe is a thing that got made. <laughs> uh, they randomly sent it to me when I got the crazy advanced whatever version. But uh, we'll, we'll, that, we'll, that was the swag they sent as socks. Yep, socks. Well, isn't so. that a thing, though, in the military? I, we'd have to pull some of our uh, vets that I don't know if Aaron or Randy are over there, but like keeping taking care of your feet. See, maybe that because the thing, because the game is about that military. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you're if you're not taking care of your feet, you're pretty much host. Well, the socks are pretty amazing. Um, we probably spent enough time on this as it is, but uh, we'll have a nice picture of these on there for you guys if you're interested. I promise. Thanks for the good in stuff. inspiration, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as real uh, stuff goes, uh, Jarrell had posted about, uh, last week we talked about the weekly totals and kind of uh, the discussion about having that on the schedule um, for like a revenue tracker. And he took it one step further this week talking about um, – estimates uh, certain job types and things like that yeah, well, coming into question the calculation like how do we get the totals yep and the totals right now i think are just if it's a job and it just adds up all of the orders for all of the jobs on the schedule for that route plugs it into the top and then totals those for your daily total and off you go 
obviously because we're much more flexible than other products um, and we allow for multiple jobs per order, it starts to get weird. Drop-offs, pickups, estimates, um, and then job type or order type, both yep. of those play into the role as well. And so if it's an estimate, should we count it as income or wait until it's either invoiced or converted into a work order? And so this is a discussion they had. And I, I tried to look for the best GIF as a response for how much I love this discussion, but I failed. So I moved on. <laughs> but seriously, like the conversation sounded very much like the conversations we have here in meetings, especially production meetings, when we're trying to hash this out. But instead of us pretending to be you, you just were you. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I really like the approach. The question I have is, if we change it, is it at scale? We have a thing here where if it's too difficult to explain in a few sentences over the phone with somebody, then we built the feature wrong. And so the few sentence here is, oh, it's just a total of all your orders on the schedule. So it's easy to explain. It's easy to understand. You don't question it. When we start messing with those totals, when you show up and you have estimates on the schedule, but there's zero dollars at the top, you're going to go, what the hell? I don't Why is it zero? Well, it's because the majority thought that it would be a good idea. And so we play here with majority versus configuration versus complication versus simplicity. And that's our job. So looking at this, I'm like, yes, I agree. It needs a rework. What does that look like at the end of the day? I don't know yet. Is it configurable? Or do we just say number of jobs that say work divided by the total invoice and that's the representation of the amount applied to that calculation if you followed me through that <laughs> arc there <laughs> i do that sometimes i'll run a long arc and I, I hope people kept up so yeah so thanks for the discussion um and, and continue it on and it will be used as uh it would be weaponized for future discussions around the product table. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. The next thing that came from Tim, um, speaking of rework, he was asking kind of how to track the amount of rework certain people because he felt like some of his customers were abusing his policy. Um, Brenda mentioned a couple of reports that were in there. And so I guess I just kind of want to get that out there that if people aren't aware necessarily – that we have a couple of reports. I don't want to go super in depth on that, but really just kind of letting people know if you're trying to do change or view that rework, we have a job list. You don't have to see the schedule in that calendar format. You can use the job list. Good point. And really what I wanted you to maybe mention are those custom views. Now this is a difficult one because training wise, but I don't think people realize how customized you can make those lists those grid views oh god to find there's no way we could do that on a podcast no but i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do you one better i'm gonna shoot a quick video um before this podcast yes. hits video so that people can have, have something seen, to reference i've done one early i've done a few early grid explanation videos so you might want to look at those but um yeah no i i think that's great they they're ridiculous the only problem i have pushing them those are not sticky right now no i mean like like the custom views that you can build that stick on the drop down oh yes those are cool yeah yeah so you can do a whole bunch of filtering on your data and have those as default yep so what i'm talking about not sticky is like columns custom columns and column widths 
something that we'll be putting in here shortly, but as of right now, they're not. But yeah, you can create your own filter against your database and come up with pretty cool lists. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like creating your own kind of customer report. report. Yeah. Um, And and Adam's right, and I want to point it out, point it out, point it out. You can see a job list in a grid and like filter and shit. Like you don't have to see it in the schedule form. So if you look in the sub menus under schedule, there's a jobs list there. Yep. So I would encourage you to to pick that up. And then yeah, the reports showing things like uh, technician efficiency and rework schedules. There's stuff like that. There's nothing necessarily from like give me my client list ordered by how many times they've asked for a rework, which is kind of what he was asking. Yep. Because he wants to find his uh, bad performing customers, but you know, I. Tim, I would just approach that like, unless you feel like it's a big problem and then maybe you have a policy issue, you have an expectation issue, you've, something's going on. But if you have ones or two customers that you feel, you can fire them, right? Or when they come up, you can kind of look at the history. Um, so pr- looking at your bad boy list to preemptively act, I don't think is uh, the best use of your time. You could, you'd be out making money in a different way. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So the last thing from Smug here comes from David asking about uh, Stripe with the Technician app. Um, he was asking uh, personally about just taking payment in general with the the swipe. Right. And you kind of went into depth about the you know scanning it and whatnot. So I just thought it'd be a good time to kind of bring that forward. A lot of people might not know you can scan the card to kind of save yourself time. I think it's pretty apparent though in Technician. I mean, yep. that scan thing just pops right up when you right. want to take your card. Um, and that works 99% of the time. I haven't really heard too many people complaining about not taking it, although I'm, as I understand it, for security reasons, some of the cards are now coming without numbers on the front. Yep. Which is weird. Or that it's um, printed on there in such a way where it's hard to scan intentionally. It's very camouflaged, yeah. Yeah. You can only and, see it from directly. Right. And then in that case, you know, you key it in. Um, as far as getting the swipe or the chip reader um, from Stripe to talk to Service Monster directly, um, we've certainly talked about it. Uh, we've had requests for it. I haven't moved it up the pipeline because it's not easy tech, right? You think it's just like you pop this thing in. Well, that's an external device, and then that ships data to the OS, and then the OS needs to communicate with our app, and there's kind of a firewall there what we can reach into the OS. It needs to hand us stuff. And so I'm sure there's some ways that we can integrate that together, but I haven't had engineers dive into the Stripe spec because that's where we'd go, right? We'd start with that. How do we use your dongles uh, in our app in order to process payment through your gateway? Yep. Which is the, the do-si-do we need to dance there, so... So it's not as easy as it would seem. Um, I, I certainly want to do it. And then it's probably only going to be for certain vendors with certain options, right? Um, because we do support a large number of merchants, almost unlimited, through the – and we, we need to do a podcast on credit cards. But just to say we have Stripe, which is both a gateway and a merchant, and Authorize, which is not just a gateway and a merchant. It is also – just a gateway, yep. which provides you access to thousands of merchants, including but not limited to most probably your bank. So 
a little tip there. People are like, oh, you only work with Authorized.net. Only? It's like thousands of merchants. Yep. What we don't do is force a specific credit card merchant down your throat without your knowledge and skim some percentage points off the top because we processed $500 million in invoices last year. And for every VC that contacts us, that's their main goal because they make pure profit $12,000 per million on those transactions when they set themselves up as a merchant or establish a relationship with a merchant where they get to skim off the top. And if their volume is big enough, they get good rates too. So to that front, it's cool. But to not give you the option, that's just not our style. So we give you guys options. More payment options will be coming as well. Stripe has PayPal. I don't know if you can set that up to take through the gateway, which kind of gets weird. That gets into a whole kaleidoscope effect. So I'd be interested to see what our developers dig up there. Um, You know, but then PayPal directly or uh, Square is another big one that we want to take a look at. Right. Those are payment options that we can snap in because that's how we built the tech. We didn't build this one stream so that it's a revenue generator for us. If I didn't go off on credit cards enough. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's actually a good idea. I wrote that wrote that down there. So um, that's the last smug post I had in there. You know, thanks as always for the collaboration. Like it's really, really great stuff. Um, And this is actually a great segue for talking about. So we're talking about the technician app. Technically, we're talking more about the credit card processing, but, um, and what our feature focus is of, of the week. So if you want to beep, 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 make the noise. Um, Partial, yeah, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Really the, the mobile story in general. Um, I initially put it as a tech app, but I think kind of having the larger story, like you said, is kind of the better way to approach it. So I just kind of want to ask you the question. And maybe I'll phrase this two questions and you can kind of go there. But uh, what kind of, is the story of the mobile platform. Um, like you said, you wanted to talk about that. And then what led to the creation of the technician-only app and why that that's important? Yeah, this is a painful story because I got punched in the mouth hard on this one. Um, 2010, 2011, very early in the game. We've only got iPhones for like three or four years. Um the development environment was really kind of arcane in both the Android and iOS and Microsoft was making a major push with their, which is a great product, by the way, too bad no app were built for it, right? And we built a web-based version and that was mobile one. And it was just, let's get something out so that they can, you know, do right. some basic work that we didn't even allow payments. There wasn't, and, but it was great because people were begging for this information or access to this information when they were out in the field. So that was very early in the day that was accepted. Like we had so much space. There were no real competitors at this point. We'd pretty much squashed all the desktops and any other new SASs that were coming were fledgling and they didn't last for very long or they kind of spread themselves thin against other verticals. Um, we knew we needed to build a better version, and so we built Mobile 2. And I set Dave off to build that on his own over a six-month period of time, just locked the door and said, don't come out till this freaking thing's done. Uh, and with that, you got order editing, and you got you know all kinds of fun stuff and payment processing. 
And uh, that actually, that's a product that's still used today. It's web-based, but it's very tablet-friendly. Yep. Um, and a lot of people just really like it. It's laid out well, and it's, you know, there's no app to download or, you know, worry about or. But because of that, it doesn't have the feel, the native feel that everybody wanted. And I really believed, like Zuckerberg did, that HTML5 on the phone was going to be a line of business savior. That we were going to be able to do from a technical perspective everything we needed to do in order to make it feel like a native app, but it being a web-based app. And for reasons I won't go into, from a technical point of view, far superior. We can do instant hot fixes with our web-based apps, with the apps that take a download. You guys got to go get those updates. And so they're not as readily available. Plus, we have to go through the app store and get approved. So there's a lag you know, it's it's not the best world. Plus, they control that marketplace environment. If we were to put, let's say, a purchase service directly in the app that use the credit card tied to the app itself, right, this nebulous pay object, uh, then they take a third of anything you process. And so games make their money and, you know, all that stuff, right? Right. That's how, that's how that whole marketplace and environment works. So I was betting like Zuckerberg was that, no, we'll just do a new version that's HTML5 based. And, and I got to the game late, um, mostly because I was wrong. So that was the first mistake I made is, no, they want native. They want the feel. They want the sap snappiness. They want it to look and feel like their other apps. And they want it to integrate with some of those other things like the camera and you know all that stuff. So I pulled in a mobile-specific developer, and we got to work. Now, the hard thing about this is when we started Service Monster, I pulled together a team of Fortune 500 developers, and we were used to producing both technology internally in an organization of, like, let's say 10,000 people and then rolling that out, or producing for the public. And that's, they're two different development philosophies. One of them says, I force the rules because I control the SOP. So I'm going to tell you this, then this, then this. And that's how we're going to build the software. We can't do that. And we did that at first when we launched our first product. We were like, no, lead source is required because that's the business rule. And then we got tons of people who are like, but what if I don't have their lead source? answer it, ask the question anyways, and figure it out, right? We were giving very corporate answers and people didn't like that. They wanted flexibility. So we got to become masters of flexibility, service monster, continue. We've had five rebuilds since then, right? And so we we are the masters of configuration to the point where people complain that it feels too complicated when they're getting started up because there's a lot of configuration uh, that you need to do if you want to make everything hum and work together. That's not to say you can't come in day one and just use it, but everybody has these delusions of grandeur. And on day one, they want this thing to work like this amazing product. And yes, it can, but let's do some setup. You got to hook up to your bank. You got to do this. You got to do that. So we had this amazing configuration. Do it however you want to do it, right? Uh, You are in control. You implement the business rules. So when we developed our first mobile app, we took that baggage with us. And we gave you Service Monster on the phone. And that is not what you guys wanted. We chose a development technology that 
communication has an issue where the communications between the servers and the phone doesn't always behave as it should, or the lag is really affects it poorly. Um, hard to maintain and hard to manage. And it's too clever for itself. It does lots of stuff. But it has, this one has a slide out menu and this one has a pop up. And I don't know how many times I've been to a trade show and someone has put the phone in my hand and said, I, I love it, but it'd be nice if I could just email the order. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I flip up the hot sheet and they snatch the phone out of my hand and be like, where'd that come from? Right. Like, dude, that's been in there from the beginning. But a lot of people don't know about that hot sheet. Mobile three on the order at the bottom, there's a little down arrow, up arrow, click on that, flip on that. It brings up a lot of options that you can do with the order, right? So, but, you know, we still have six to 10,000 users a day on that product. Um, And so they're, they're grumbly about it. And technicians didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was too big and robust for them. It was too complex because it was too flexible. It had too much in it. It was too clever for itself. And then we had the damn communication problem. So this started keeping me up at night, right? I I was hoping that with Mobile 3, we were really going to get on the mobile platform and compete with some of the new players that were coming in that were mobile first that had really simple, easy-to-use mobile applications. And that's their whole platform because you go to the desktop and it's not much different than what they've got mobile, right? There's no question that we crush on the desktop. There's not even, there's no one that comes close. But on the mobile front, certainly when we had this particular product, Mobile 3, which is what we're still using today, um, unless you knew Service Monster already, it's just a bitch to use. So staying up late at night, I'm freaking out about the thing. I I start a new 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift as I do when something's bothering me. And I start probing for different technology other than what we did. And we came up with a, a new platform. I came up with some new patterns and paradigms and some new screens about, and we created Technician. I did it uh, as a project. I wanted to launch that project to make sure that the technology that we chose on the platform was going to be solid compared to what we did for Mobile 3. And to also understand that I just need to give them something that goes, I do this, I do this, then I do this. And because we were losing so bad with the technicians themselves on Mobile 3, we developed a specific app for them. Wake up in the morning, get in the truck, now what? These are the use cases that we're processing. I look at what I got to do, I click, and I'm on a map, and I'm driving. I click, and then a text goes out, I'm on my way. I click, and I can call any one of the phone numbers on record. I see the job information. I see all of my notes in front of me. So everything that the office is trying to communicate, whatever. And so we released that in December of 2017. And people love it. Now, at first, people are confused because they're like, I love it, but I can't schedule a job. Like, yes, exactly. Because technicians, when you're just performing the work that's on the schedule, you don't schedule jobs. You go out and do the work. You take the payment, you take the pictures, you update the invoice, you do all that stuff, right? But um, scheduling jobs and working with marketing campaigns and that kind of stuff isn't in the technician's purview. But having proved the technology in technician gave us the confidence to move forward on the mobile pro project, which is essentially technician plus all the stuff you want to do as a single owner operator out in the field. 
but isn't overly complex, isn't overly clever. Things are still really straightforward. We took everything we learned from the Mobile 3 product and the Technician product and Mobile 2 and Mobile 1 and the feedback that we got on the wins and losses from those products. And I think that we're doing a really good job now creating um, a platform for these guys to use. And the mobile team is killing it now. We've got two amazing devs that are just, you know, implementing. They do push back when it's appropriate. They do implementation when it's appropriate. Um, the committee is picking up on, you know, the changes that I came in and kind of made um, after Alex left, uh, headed in a, in a direction that I wanted to make sure we're, we're serving those basic use cases, right? right. Um, which is obviously the technician use case, get in the truck, now what? Process my jobs, collect payment, take pictures, update invoices, so forth. But also the sales aspects, how do I schedule a job quickly when I'm on the phone? How do I deal with an estimate when I'm in the field? Um, those types of things. And so we're getting closer. I would say maybe within the next two months we'll be in beta, and then the feedback from that beta will help drive the delivery date and the features and bugs and all that kind of stuff that we chase into the product. So. That's kind of the story, man. I, you know, I, uh, I made a handful of mistakes that were not good for the company, but I recognize it's got to be mobile first. So we went what, what we called rest first, which is a whole geek conversation I, I'm not going to go into, but we went rest first like four years ago, and that was amazing for us. And now we need to pivot and go mobile first. It's the platform, um, not only for, supporting our current clients and what they do in the field. But millennials are coming in at scale. Gen X, you've been listening to me anytime. You got boomers, 80 million. Gen X is 40 million. Millennials are 80 million. Gen X meant unknown. We disappeared. Like we didn't exist. So the boomers tried to hand their businesses over. Whoop, there's nobody there. And so we had this massive lull and what I thought was going to be a SaaS boom turned out to be a SaaS crawl. And all of us and every single vertical market, every single SaaS company struggles to, you know, get scalable clients, you know, more than five or 10,000, you know? So uh, it's just because back in the day, 2003, only 20 to 25% of service providers were using a CRM of any kind. Today, that number is only about 35%. I'm like, what the hell? If that would have tripped in 2012, this service monster would be a billion-dollar company right now. So it's like, what are you guys waiting for? Well, Gen X didn't want to participate. Uh, now the millennials, they don't go to Target and buy a day planner when they start their business anymore. If you're a service provider, you go and you download an app. And so right now our app-first presence isn't where I want it to be because mobile three is not where I want it to be. So I've been holding back some right hooks. So get ready because when mobile pro drops, I'm going to be throwing down because then we have the trifecta service monster six on the desktop, which just kills technician, which is amazing when all you need to do is process jobs. And we're going to be taking the totals out of that too, as an option. So made services and, you know, some uh, regular, less tech type cleaning services, right? They don't see those, those totals. And then with mobile pro, it's just over. It's, it's such a good app. I'm so excited to get it in everyone's hands, but it's going to take a minute. 
you know, I want to make sure it's right. I, we released uh, Service Monster 6 too soon, strategically, intentionally, for reasons I can go into later. But uh, after getting punched in the mouth with Service Monster 6 as a self-inflicted wound, and then Mobile 3, unintentional wound, I want to make sure this comes out right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm done licking wounds for a minute. <laughs> so that's where we're at. No, I think people are going to be excited about it. I'm excited about it. Every time we talk about it in the product meeting, like I just I can't wait for it because yeah. I want to train new users on it, you know, like or not. Right? Or not trained. Exactly. We don't train technician hardly at all. No. Like people just get it. Yep. Because there's three screens they use. Yep. And it covers all of the basic functions that you need to do when you're processing a job. Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping Mobile Pro has that same affordance, uh, that ease of use that just is like duh, you know. Where mobile three, again, you had to be clever. It's like, oh, I have to flip this up. I have to slide that out. I have to, you know, it's just like. Even as someone who plays around with that, like tens of hundreds oh, yeah, of hours, I, I still sometimes forget. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, totally. So with that in mind, because I think it's a great story. And I think that kind of that honesty, people really appreciate that. Um, with that in mind, from our user's point of view, um, or from any um, anyone in the service industry's point of view, like, why is mobile important? You said you know, yourself, like that the mobile platform, like that's number one. Why is mobile so important from their point of view? Yeah. So obviously having access to the data and being able to do things when you're out in the field is a huge advantage. Um, I, I don't think anyone would contest that, but then they would say, well, I got my day planner. <laughs> that's my <laughs> mobilities. I, I got my day planner is fits in my truck. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't feed back to your centralized system and give you reporting and do all that stuff, right? So the idea of the mobile environment for the service provider can be summed up in park the truck and be done. That's what mobile gives you. The ability to not still have to do work after you've done work. So you don't have to go back into the office and enter in invoices or close out payments or do any of that bullshit. Now, if you have office people, then that just means that they can be marketing, they can be doing follow-up, they can be doing survey calls, right? There's more other productive things that they can be doing. Um, but that, that's, that's the short of it. And then easy. Having gone through that history, obviously there is a development mentality that goes along with that. And this little device forces UI developers user interface, sorry, uh, user interface developers like myself to go, huh, I got a lot of real estate there. So that button better damn well be important. Um, and so it forces us to really look through the lens of giving you guys process. And so things should end up to, to be more easy to process in the field through your mobile technology than going back to the office and processing it later. So if we do that, we win because then you truly park the truck and, and you're done because you've done everything in the field you've needed to do. Um, and then eliminating errors, right, taxes and having all that stuff calculate for you, all the stuff that you would say, oh, uh, why am I doing this over a pen and paper, right? Well, I don't have taxes. Okay, fine. And I don't have employees. Okay, fine. You can certainly get along without a CRM. I don't think anyone would argue about that. 70% of the damn industry still doing it. Um, but you're going to get your ass handed to you eventually. Some young Nate Brot's going to come along 
with a slick algorithm and attention to social and a CRM, and he's going to gobble up market share like nobody's business. And that's what's going to happen. So just like get into social, if you're not in the CRM, you know, what's your life all about? <laughs> Coming from a guy whose whole life has been CRM and SaaS, yeah. right? So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> Yeah, I think too, um, I've had a great many conversations where I start training people and I'm like, you know, learning about their story and kind of going through that. And a lot of the time they were using paper invoicing and they're like, yeah, I had a plumber come out. I had an electrician come out and he had the tablet there and I was looking at everything I did and I signed. I didn't have to have an invoice that I had to file away. Like it was just stored. And so it has that ease of use too. Right. You know, from their client's point of view. Right. And so it looks really professional and all of that. So, well, it's, you know, and in some cases it's almost expected. Right. Although I will still say 80% of the people I come up to do any kind of contracting, handyman work or plumbers or they're, they're using paper. They're scratching things out on that old, you know, silver flip top. Right. Like the slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, they have their carbon copies and, you know, they're scratching and their little estimates on it. And uh, so I'm just amazed by how many people still haven't converted. It just blows my mind. And now the VCs see it, right? What I saw 16 years ago, they're now seeing. It's part of the whole challenge of inventing stuff and coming up with new business models is being too early to the game. And when that happens, and sometimes you just got to wait it out. And now we've got the VC environment coming in, the venture capitalists who are dumping money into other SaaS companies or would-be SaaS companies because they see it. They're like, oh, this is going to flip, and those companies are going to be worth a billion dollars each. Uh, and so it's coming. It's coming. I just hope it doesn't wait too much longer, man. I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, you know, obviously I love my life and the, and the people that I work with and the team that we've built. And so, yeah, I'm not really complaining. You don't have to say that just because I'm sitting over here. Like it's, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's it's really great. Uh, just there are there are examples though where you have the technicians, the kind of like the stubborn as an ox, kind of whatever. And I hear this a lot during training. <laughs> like he's set in his ways. He's the not, mom and the pop. He's this not, is my favorite example he's not of this. Learning. Mom <laughs> wants the data, and she knows how to run the damn office. And the pop refuses to use the freaking app. <laughs> but that, in part, in fairness, is because of Mobile Three. Yeah. Right. Let's get Pop a super easy app to use to do all the stuff, so he doesn't keep going back to Google Calendar. Right. And I, I think that's our fault. Yeah. And I think that we need to, to push that. Now, if you're just doing technician activities, like when we had super agents and those guys were using technician, holy crap, things were smooth. And so I'm just hoping to replicate that with mobile pro. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, there's the people who can't change or don't want to change. And then there's the people who get, just get frustrated with the change because it wasn't done in a way that made it easy for them to use. Uh, and so we, I take a lot of responsibility for that. I think too, just uh, for those who, who are waiting for the mobile pro and are using that, at least we have something built on the schedule with, with the route packets totally. you know, to take that in, into, into consideration to make it simple, to just show what they need to do. 
and cutting well, and from there. Tons of people are still using that. And most of our would be new competitors aren't doing any kind of printout, yep. which blows my mind. Like it's still, yes, you can be paperless and I would strive towards that. Um, and you can even do what I'm about to say still paperless because you can email the PDFs and not actually do a printout. But with our route packet system, it allows the technicians to get anything they need and for you to limit or expose whatever information you feel is pertinent to them and get that to them. So they don't even need a mobile product or to log in or download anything. They can just see it again. Made service is a good example. Turn off the orders and turn on the worksheet. And now you got a list of all the things that you're going to do. There's no pricing at all. Uh, and then just give that them that PDF every morning. Here's where the jobs, right? They, here's the address of the jobs. Here's the jobs you need to do. And here's the list of work you need to do. So it really it makes it easy and breaks it down. Yeah. So yeah, or you can print it out and hand it to people who stop by the office every morning and go back to 1974. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people who would like to go back to 1974. Sure. So. Well, thank you uh, for sharing the uh, story there, Joe. I think uh, I think a lot of people are excited for, for Mobile Pro. I mean, I already said that I'm excited for it. Um, I do want to say too that we there's a new video that I'm putting out for the mobile technician. Um, so anyone listening, if they do have someone who is interested um, in kind of having their techs process that, that'll be out there after the podcast. So um, yes, thank you for sharing that. Very good. And uh, with that, thank you for joining us. As always, join us for the live stream on Facebook at three o'clock on Fridays, podcast distributions on all of your favorite platforms. And uh, we're dicing this up on the YouTube channels as well. So go watch it. And then anything that comes that we feel is really beneficial, we'll uh, slice up in small little segments. We'll feed you on Facebook. If you want to participate, feel free to join in on that live stream and ask questions. Um, And as always, have a great evening. Take care, guys. Now, before we uh, dive out officially, now that we have this little back channel, um, I want to share a personal journey that I'm going to be taking over the next six months or so. Um, And I didn't know where to put this content. This has been going on for a while. Um, But I thought maybe on a B-roll of the podcast would be a good idea because I didn't want to do anything pretentious and like, you know, these straight up videos or whatever. But... um, I'm the fattest I've ever been in my life right now at 260. And and this time around, I got fat on purpose. And for those people in the know, I was about to go on the descent journey and document it right when I found out my wife was pregnant. And getting ripped while your wife is pregnant is inadvisable. (laughs) Just, you know, as a little tip to the hat for marriages everywhere. So I put it on pause and then continued to use it as an excuse to be gluttonous because I love food. <laughs> Damn, I love food. I obviously do as well. And I've been on this journey a few times. Um, I can get to 175, benching 250, deadlifting 450, running a five-minute mile. Like, I can get there. If you go on my Facebook page and see my uh, – 
picture from the Halloween of 2014. I think I was in my Wolverine phase at that point. I was shredded. Um, and so I've always been an athlete. So I've been in and out of that. When I had cancer, I got really, after I had cancer, I got really overweight because just, you know, fuck it. Food is good and life is good and I'm still alive. And, oh, yeah. and I got really big there. I was like 250, 255. Uh, and then I discovered paleo, paleolithic. Um, and, you know, over the next six months, I'm going to take these extra three to five minutes and kind of talk about what I'm doing kind of as, as anecdotal evidence, not that I'm trying to be a, a fitness uh, celebrity or anything. This just works for me. I can control my physiology pretty good. At one point, I dropped my LDL by 60 points in six weeks. Wow. Because uh, they were trying to put me on statins. And I was like, fuck that. Give me six months to, and, and my doctor's like, okay, yeah. Like he's heard it all before, right? I come back in my, and, I, and I'll, I'll send Justin the images of my reports just so you can prove it to be true. But he was like, damn, dude, you need to write a book and I need to read it. <laughs> so kept me off Stanton's. But um, so I've always had that ability. I know what to eat. I know what not to eat. My mom's a pastry chef, like legit. Like she's had massive reviews in San Francisco type legit. Right. Oh, nice. So but it also contributed to my dad being as wide as he is tall. Right, his lifelong goal finally achieved. He's a ball, <laughs> uh, and and my brother's huge too. And there's a reason for that, right? Um, but if we if we if we harness that bigness correctly, it turns into muscle mass. So I've got a weird amalgamation of both, and I can kind of go both ways. So this is going to be the start of the journey because my wife's going to is due in eight weeks. So I figure the first eight weeks, you know, I can shred down a little bit and it's not going to be too, too noticeable. And then by the time she has the baby, then I'll be on track. She'll be on track and we'll be working together and it'll all be good. So the first thing, obviously I had to be rebuild my gut and uh, I'll probably spend some time talking about that next week, but I wanted to introduce kind of the B side here for that journey. Cause I know a lot of you service providers are fat like me. And it's time for you guys to figure out how to be around for your kids and the business that you're busting your ass to build. You want to be able to enjoy this. You want to be a good role model. I've done this three times where I've just got fat and then I got shredded, right? And none of the times were motivation that I wanted to say, hey, look at what I'm about to do, which this time kind of was. It was also an excuse just to eat too. But I had both of those in my head when I was shoving my face full of food. Um, and, and it's just weird, right? Because it's, it's easy to make excuses about it. But if you're going to be around, if you're not going to be, uh, you know, I got the diabetes, <laughs> I got the diabetes, Adam, like you got to be healthy. Yep. Um, and so it's not that hard to understand what you need to do. It's incredibly hard to do it, especially if you're already addicted to sugar and Next week, I'll talk about the bacteria in your gut and how they control your mind. It's true. It's true. I've always uh, seen it kind of phrased as it's incredibly simple as far as the process goes, yeah. but it's incredibly difficult to actually put it into action. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear something cool, too? You know how you get rid of your fat? You know how it leaves your body? Oh, yeah. yeah. You sweat it out. You breathe it out. Breathe it out. Yep. Like 90% of it is breath at night, carbon yep. dioxide leaving, because as that breaks down, that's what it turns into. It's pretty cool. So you know what's really interesting about this, Joe, and I am not trying to steal your thunder absolutely at all. Um, you guys can literally edit this out if you want. Um, 
I just ensured it staying in. <laughs> like six weeks ago, I kind of kind of reached my my tipping point, and I'm just, I'm done. I'm yeah. done being fat. And uh, there's a whole long story to that, and so I plan on doing that to the proper outlets. And I was actually going to do kind of some YouTube things on that, yeah. but I thought about it will be a good show thing because, like you said. A lot of the time, you're well. Then you're going to check in with you're your eating dude. fast food. So you next whatever. Friday, we're both going to come in and and we'll we'll just start announcing how much we weigh at the end. And we'll just have this be a, have this be a thing. That's All it. Right? Yeah. If you guys want to join us, you know, a couple people have j- followed me on the journey. As a few of my other times, Tony. Uh, you ever meet yep. Tony? Yep. Um, Tony was a big guy, yeah, and he saw me get shredded because I was kind of puffy when, on on that stage. And he was like, "What the hell did you do?" And I just gave him the formula, and then he just did it. Him and his wife both look amazing. Looks like we got a Facebook question though. What's up? Not a question, a comment. John says, "Joe, I've recently lost thirty pounds on keto. Wishing much yeah. success in your journey." Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, keto's cool. It's a very paleo. I have a modification on paleo just because of science. Because, you know, I like science. Yep. It's my whole life is science. So, um, But keto is is very – it's ketosis. It's yep. a short form yep. of that. Uh, it's when your body goes into over-protein mode, not enough carbohydrates. You get a tinny taste in your mouth, um, and you turn into a fat-burning machine at that point. At least most uh, – you know, most uh, – what do we want to say? Dang it. I lost the word. Anyways, yeah. Very cool. I Very cool. I wish you uh, continued success on that journey. 30 pounds is great. Absolutely. Keep eating those uh, bacon. 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 <laughs> yep. That's your go-to. The bacon. bacon and I think they replace a cauliflower with a lot of things. Well, the first time I did, uh, I, um, what was the early version of it? It wasn't South Beach. Before that. Bef- oh, the Atkins diet? Atkins, Atkins thank you. Yeah, because yeah, that's what led me to paleo was Atkins first. Um, man, by the time I was done with Atkins, because I, I want a I way to eat. And you know I have a farm, right? Yep. So I, sh- I want to grow 100% and eat 100% of everything I grow. Like that's the goal because that's that's hardcore there because you cannot be fat on that model. You can't. You have to try really hard. Dude, I don't know if you could. Yeah, like I'm- I can't eat enough meat to get fat. When I'm, in, when I'm in great shape, like the amount of calories that are contained in, in beef or chicken are really low. And when you're not mixing it with sugar and breading it, it's hard to get enough of those. You need a pound of buffalo a whole pound and it's like 400 calories so anyway good stuff very cool awesome thanks justin